It was a spring day. The weather had turned warm. It was one of those days that you really look forward to after a long winter. And the temptation was just too great. Four boys destined for school decided that they would go fishing that morning. They succumbed to that temptation. The first mistake they made was that they returned to school later that afternoon. The second mistake they made was that they told the teacher the reason they hadn't been there in the morning was that they had a flat tire on the car and couldn't get there till then. She smiled at them. She said, well, you know what, you missed a quiz this morning, but I have no problem allowing you to make it up after what happened. She said, take your seats. So they did. They got out pencil and paper and waited for the first question to be given. She smiled again and said, the first question of the quiz this morning is this, which tire on the car went flat? <laughs> Temptation. It comes upon us, and so often it takes us over. If we were to look at Webster's Dictionary at the word temptation, it would say this, the desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. It was indeed unwise of those boys to succumb to that temptation that morning and to follow it up with their lives. You know, we pray, don't we, in the Lord's Prayer again and again and again, lead us not into temptation. And do you remember the words that Luther wrote in the explanation in the catechism that says, we pray that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh may not deceive or mislead us. Maybe you can identify with those boys or for some other reason. We know that temptation comes. We know that we succumb to that. And as we begin our series now through the season of Lent, we look at dying to live, dying to self, temptation that leads us into places that makes us do things that we don't necessarily have in mind, but oh, what a pathway it is. What does it mean to die to self? What does it mean to give up on who we are in favor of who we have been called to be in Christ Jesus, our Lord? What does it mean to die to self through temptation? You know, I think so often when we think of temptation, we think of acting on something. But one of the things that I want to look at this morning is not just simply acting on something, but the temptation that comes when we seek to avoid something. And so I want to give some backstory and look at the gospel this morning. You can look at that, Mark chapter 1, look in your connection or open one of the Bibles in front of you. We'll look at those verses and talk a little bit about what's going on here. We're going to start with that first verse, verse 9 in Mark chapter 1. Mark records this. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. You know, Mark's pretty short in his detail, short in his presentation. He just simply says, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized. That's it. 
Now the preceding verses give us a little more background on John and why he was baptizing. Maybe that's important and I'll read a few of those. If we were to back up, we would hear this. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And I think it's important that we look at that for a moment. Look at what John was doing. Calling people to repentance. Having them confess their sins. Because in that original language that the New Testament is written in, in the Greek, that word is important for us to understand. That word for confession. It's a word that is known as homo legomen. And the word is, has its roots in two different words. Homo from meaning the same. We often use that when we talk about milk or something. Homogenized, meaning it's become one. And legomen from the word logos, which we know from John's gospel in the beginning was the logos, was the word. It literally means that word confession to say the same words. It means to agree. To agree to what John is saying. John is calling people to repent. John is saying you are sinners. The response is we are. John is saying you need this forgiveness. And we are saying we need this forgiveness. We identify with what you are saying John. And so people were being baptized. I say this because then we come upon the gospel today. That says simply Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized. And we may wonder... For a moment, why is Jesus then being baptized? Jesus is sinless. Jesus has no sin. He has no need for that baptism. But indeed, Jesus is being baptized not for his own need. He's being baptized for identity. Not his identity as a sinner, but to identify himself with sinners. To identify himself with us. You see, Jesus is the one who comes to take on what is not his by nature, our sin. And in the waters of his baptism, he takes on that sin. He takes it on in order that he would take it away. He identifies himself with us. That's important for us to remember, especially as we talk about temptation today and Jesus' temptation. Because there's a verse in Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, that says this in speaking of Jesus. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, meaning as the high priest, Jesus is the one who makes intercession on our behalf, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, and yet did not sin. Jesus identifies with us, takes on our sin, and that identification with us seals forever his future and his mission. Death on a cross is a sure thing because now he has been identified with sinners. Because of that, then Mark immediately goes by saying the Spirit took Jesus into the wilderness 
to be tempted. And this is where I come back to what I said earlier, when we think about temptation as things that we are led to do. But here the temptation that Satan is going to put on Jesus is the temptation to avoid. To avoid Jesus' future. To avoid this sealed destiny with the cross. You know, whenever I read this passage in whatever gospel, I think Satan must have been amused to see Jesus this way. Knowing who he was, knowing that he was a created being by the eternal Son of God. To see Jesus wrapped in human flesh. To see him in this way. I wonder if Satan thought how weak, how feeble, how vulnerable you appear now. What have you done? You know, it's important for us to remember that. Satan is not all-knowing as God is. Satan doesn't know exactly what the future will be with Jesus' mission on earth, but he knows there's something going on. He's the best adversary in the world, skilled and greater at anyone else at finding out what he needs to know. And so he sees Jesus in human flesh, having taken on our sin. And he knows that there must be a reason that God is hidden in the form of a human. And he's going to flush it out and find out what it's all about. Now again, as I said, Mark is brief. He gives us no specifics. We would have to go outside of Mark and to remember that Matthew records what those temptations were. Just briefly, that Jesus was hungry after being in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And so Satan tempted him to make bread out of stones. That he was insignificant as a human this way. And as I said, weak and feeble. And Satan wanted him to act like somebody that he should be. And that Jesus was a king and had power, but he wasn't using it. And Satan wanted him to act truly then as an earthly king and to worship him. You see, Satan wanted Jesus to do something. To avoid, avoid, avoid. Avoid pain. Avoid insignificance. Avoid weakness. To be somebody. To be fulfilled, to be happy, to give up on whatever it was that he was doing wrapped in this human flesh. Theologian John Piper says this about sin and temptation. He says, sin gets its power by persuading me to believe that I will be more happy if I follow it. The power of all temptation is the prospect that it will make me happier. There it is. Do this and you'll be happy. Don't you deserve it? Really, that's what Satan's trying to do with Jesus. Why are you this way? Why are you weak? Why are you feeble? Why are you not being who you are? Do these things. Make yourself. Avoid the cross. Avoid the suffering. And the truth is, don't we want the same thing? Don't we want the forgiveness, the peace, and the blessings of being belonging to Christ, but don't we want it without any cost to us? There's an old story about St. Patrick in Ireland when he was bringing converts to the Lord through the Holy Spirit. The story is that converts were coming to be baptized by him, 
And as he was baptizing, as he was getting older, he was leaning on a staff. It happened that one of the chieftains came that day to be baptized by him and came forward. And when he was being baptized, St. Patrick didn't notice that he had picked up his staff and set it down on top of the chieftain's foot. The chieftain made no noise and St. Patrick didn't know until after he was baptized and saw the chieftain limping away in agony. He came to the chieftain and he said, Why did you not cry out when I hurt your foot? The chieftain replied to him, Well, I remembered you telling us of Jesus, of the nails and the cross and the agony. And I thought that my pain was part of my baptism. Dying to self. Baptism into Christ. Identifying now with Jesus in all ways. Remember the words that Jesus spoke, whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross and follow me. Jesus was tempted, tempted to avoid that cross, tempted to avoid the pain and the agony, tempted to give up on that destiny that would win our freedom and our hope. Now maybe we hear those temptations this morning. A temptation to turn stone into bread. A temptation to leap off a cliff that angels might minister. A temptation to bow down and to worship Satan. After all, we might say, weren't those temptations specific to Jesus? Maybe they don't really relate to us. They're not the temptations, after all, that we seem to go through. And when we think about that verse in Hebrews, that he was tempted in every way, how does that relate then to maybe the recovering alcoholic or substance abuser? How does it relate to that lonely widower, the person seeking companionship at any cost? How does it relate to a struggling business owner who's wondering about some unethical practices that might help his business? How does it relate to a teenager who covets peer acceptance no matter what and is willing to do things that normally they wouldn't ever do? I've never been tempted to turn stones into bread or to leap off a cliff. But I think what's important that we remember as we look at these temptations, it is not what is specific here. It is what is common common to us all. You see, Satan, through temptation, and remember what Luther says, the devil, the world, and our flesh all wants us to be tempted to mistrust God's promises, God's plan, and God's care of us. We hear those words, take up your cross, and I believe truly we are afraid. Afraid of what that might mean. Afraid of pain, afraid of suffering, afraid of hardship in following Jesus' footsteps. And we want to avoid it. But what is our cross exactly? What does that mean? And I would say to you, we need to remember that taking up our cross means exactly what John was calling people to admit. That we are weak, that we are helpless, that we are sinful. That we do not stand on our own in our independence and enter heaven because of anything we have done that is so wonderful. That we are in need of a savior, in need of rescuing. And we are not self-sufficient. 
You see, Jesus took on our identity in order that we might know for sure that he does care for us, that he does identify with us, that he knows our weaknesses and our failings, that he knows that we need his strength. And our identity with him comes to us now through our baptism. Just as that story talked about, we identify with the one who died for us, And it ensures for us that temptations will indeed come. Temptation to deny that we are sinners. Temptation to deny that God's word and truth are alone. Temptation to think that we are left alone and that God can never forgive us. You know, Jan Bolt recently reminded me of something that I said at one time of the two greatest lies of Satan in our lives. And the first one was this, that Satan says, go ahead, do it. Nobody will ever know. And after that temptation comes, then Satan says to us, God will never forgive you for what you have done. Lies. God will indeed forgive us. Jesus was tempted and endured so that he could bring forgiveness to us. So that he would not avoid the cross and our salvation, but would go there willingly to complete the plan to give us freedom and to give us forgiveness. So we die to the lie of how wonderful we are and we live instead in the truth of knowing how wonderful God's grace is that covers us and forgives us. See, dying to self is to realize we have been rescued and that we need to be rescued and that we need to be forgiven and that we are sinners. And Jesus came and accomplished that for us at great cost. May we remember his mercy and his love, his faithfulness to the plan of his Father in order that we have gained blessing upon blessing. And may we take up our cross willingly and follow him and endure the temptations that Satan would put before us to avoid the things that we know are true and to confess and say the same words, Jesus is our Lord, our Savior, the one who redeems us from ourselves. Amen.